You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Many folkloric and mythological objects do not appear in real life. Poseidon's trident, Paul Bunyan's axe, and King Arthur's sword Excalibur, they're all known to just about everyone, yet they're nothing more than fiction. The same goes for certain structures. There have been no reports of a witch's house running through the Russian wilderness on chicken legs, and yet the tale of Baba Yaga is one that's passed down from generation to generation. But sometimes... An item or building jumps out of the story and into reality. In Japan, for example, there's a bridge with a tall tale behind it. About 50 miles from Tokyo, in Yamanashi Prefecture, is the city of Otsuki. Its history dates all the way back to the Jomon period, between 14,000 and 300 BCE. The city was nearly wiped off the map in 1945, two days before the end of World War II, following a bombing by the United States, but it was able to bounce back after two other towns and four villages combined to form a new Otsuki in 1954. Despite hundreds of years of change and turmoil, including near extinction, one of the city's lasting treasures is the Saruhashi Bridge. Also known as the Monkey Bridge, it's listed as one of the six official places of scenic beauty in Japan, and those who cross the gorge know that it's a well-earned designation. Although no one knows exactly when the bridge was built, an early military document from 1479 does mention its existence. It is supported by four pairs of cantilever beams underneath, which are embedded directly into the cliff on each side. The beams are also tented with their own peaked roofs to keep the rain and other debris away, while the actual center of the bridge is held up by an arch. Of course, a bridge doesn't wind up in the Cabinet of Curiosities simply because it's beautiful. No, it's the reason for its nickname that elevates it from a basic way of crossing a river into an architectural marvel. According to the legend, the Monkey Bridge earned its name in one of two ways. The first comes from a story that dates back to the 7th century, which told of a couple who desperately needed to cross the gorge. With no bridge in place at the time, monkeys living in the surrounding forest emerged and used their bodies to form a makeshift bridge so that the couple could cross safely. A gardener named Shirako watched all of this happen, so he took it upon himself to build a permanent bridge so that others could cross the gorge easily, and without any help from the local wildlife. The other tale isn't as romantic, but it does make more sense. Before the Saruhashi Bridge was installed, there was another, more dilapidated structure in its place. It was said to have been so dangerous that the only creature capable of crossing it was an agile monkey. 
Whether either of those tales is true remains to be seen, but the Saruhashi Bridge is highly revered. It's one of Japan's three unique bridges, and its beauty has inspired numerous paintings over the last two centuries. Japan is rich in history and mythology, and much of its architecture incorporates both. The truth behind iconic bridges like the Monkey Bridge, though, is not as magical as the stories convey, and yet their elegance and composition make them wonders of the world. Beauty and industrial construction don't have to be mutually exclusive. All it takes is a skilled builder, or in some cases, a bunch of monkeys, to bridge the gap between them. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T 
www.thepowerofpositivity.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. When an author dies, we have their books to remember them by. Mary Shelley wrote numerous novels and short stories, but the work she is best remembered for is Frankenstein, her story of a mad scientist who brings to life a creature made of cadaver parts. Frankenstein has been adapted into countless films and is considered by many as the birth of the science fiction genre. Shelley's legacy is more than just a catalog of literary works, though. She paved the way for the films, books, and comics we enjoy today. Much like Shelley, there was another author whose novels broke ground and influenced those who followed him. Robert Louis Stevenson, the man behind Treasure Island, is why pirate tropes like X marks the spot and parrots on the shoulders are there in the first place. But Stevenson left behind more than his books, and his legacy goes beyond the pirate genre he practically created. A piece of the author lives to this day, and one lucky person still owns it. In 1891, a 12-year-old girl named Annie Ide moved to the island of Samoa in the South Pacific. Her father, Henry Clay Ide, had been appointed American Land Commissioner there by President Benjamin Harrison. While in Samoa, Henry met Robert Louis Stevenson. The author, his wife, and her children from her first marriage had moved to the island so Stevenson could recover from the Scottish climate that had been making him sick. The two men became fast friends. Stevenson was quite involved in Samoan politics and advocated for the rights of Polynesians in the press. He wrote letters to various international publications about his concerns for those at the mercy of colonizing countries like England and the United States. He had lived in Samoa since 1889, two years before Ide arrived, and he had seen firsthand the havoc that great powers were doing to the region. Despite Ide being on one side of the conflict and Stevenson on the other, a friendship bloomed between them. It was during one of their conversations when Henry talked to his friend about some trouble he was having with his daughter Annie. She'd been sad because she had been born on December 25th, Christmas Day, and had never had a proper birthday celebration. The festivities had always been directed toward the birth of, well, someone else. Sure, she received Christmas presents, but she had never felt the joy of opening gifts specifically given to her for her birthday. But on June 19, 1891, Annie received the greatest gift of all. It had arrived in the form of an official document delivered to her father. It read, in short, I, Robert Louis Stevenson, have transferred and do hereby transfer to the said A.H. Ide, all and whole of my rights and privileges on the 13th day of November, formerly my birthday. In other words, Robert Louis Stevenson had given his own birthday, November 13th, to 12-year-old Annie Ide. The contract also directed her to use it with moderation and humanity, and that if she didn't, then the rights to Stevenson's birthday would revert to the President of the United States. The document also made Annie his named daughter, she didn't leave her parents or live with him, but Stevenson, in his contract, did engage the girl to adopt the name Louisa, at least in private, he added. And she did. She also celebrated November 13th as her birthday for years to come. When she got older, she and her family moved back to the United States, and she eventually married a U.S. congressman. The couple didn't have any children, so Annie passed the birthday down to her niece. The niece held on to it until her death when it eventually found its way to her granddaughter, Heather Finn, of Ireland. Heather was born on February 4th, 
but also pops open a bottle of champagne every November 13th to celebrate. It's safe to say that Heather will leave the November 13th declaration to the next in line. For now, though, Stevenson's memory lives on, not as an author or political agitator, but as someone who just wanted to give his friend's daughter the one thing she had never received, a birthday gift. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.